Thank you. I add my uh, welcome to everyone else's today and just let you know that none of you are here today by accident. None of you are here by accident. You're all here for a reason. And so, uh, yeah, welcome. And um, I've just had a message from Kristen here. Um, Happy Resurrection Day. Jesus is risen and he remains alive forever. Death is defeated. The power of sin is broken. Have a marvellous and hope-filled day today. So um, let's just pray for everyone else meeting around the city and, and around the nation and the world for, um, for this time at Easter. Lord, we just pray for um, all of the other um, people meeting in, in various places, um, both from this fellowship and others, that uh, they would um, be bathed in your presence and uh, that they would celebrate also that you are alive forevermore and that um, death is defeated in Jesus' name. The real price of everything, what everything really costs to the person who wants to acquire it, is the work and effort of acquiring it. The real price of everything, what everything really costs to the person who wants to acquire that thing, is the work and the effort of acquiring it. I think we can all uh, we can all um, understand that we go to work to pay our bills, whether it's to buy a house or um, or, or our, all the things that we need. But today I'm going to focus on Jesus. Jesus became a human. He came to earth. He had a humble birth. He worked. He served for decades in his ministry. He had life-changing relationships. He performed miracles. He healed. He delivered people. He prayed. He wept. He was mocked. He was whipped. He bled. He was crucified on a cross. And he died. But he triumphed over death. He rose again. He sent the Holy Spirit to help us. And he gave us his authority. And he invites each and every one of us to spend eternity with him. Just close your eyes. Just in that attitude of receiving. In that attitude of receiving, the real price of everything that Jesus did, 
was the work and was the effort of acquiring it. You are worth it. We did nothing, but he gave it anyway. We are worth it. Just receive that deep into your spirit, that you are worth dying for. You are worth bleeding for. You were worth being whipped for. All of your sin was worth it. He took it upon himself. And his, his longing for each and every one of us is to have a life-changing relationship. That we are being transformed into his image. To lay down what you want and ask him, what do you want, Lord? He died for you because you are worth it. Amen. Thank you, Mark. So powerful, eh? Happy Easter. <laughs> mm. God's desire for oneness with people is what took him to the cross. He so longs for his bride, for his counterpart. He was willing to give everything, and he did. It's really about our response, because he always gives us free will. We failed, but like Mark said, he was willing to come and give all. That's why we are in the first place. He made us to be that bride. But then we failed. So then all the rest of it that we celebrate today. We know that he chose 12 men to be his first disciples. He could have chosen women, but men were created in his image. And the woman was taken out of man and she became an extension created in his image. Um, Twelve speaks of authority and of headship. Jesus was training his disciples. He was teaching them not just to be servants, but friends. And of the 12, there were three. You know, we talk about it all the time. We hear about Peter and James and John. He transfigured before them. And then of the three, there was one that laid on his breast. He has no favorites. But we have a choice in how much do we want him.
many women followed him too. You read that this morning, we opened that, how they, many, many, it says, followed him to the cross. I've got to put on my glasses so I can see my notes, but then I have a hard time seeing you. Anyways, male and female make up the bride, but within the picture of marriage, which is God's heart that he's longing for, women most obviously portray the bride. So what really struck me and is amazing is that of the three that women that I would say were closest to Jesus, it's Mary, Mary, and Mary. <laughs> How weird is that? <laughs> so there are three completely different women from vastly different walks of life but they all have the same name. So what is he trying to say? <laughs> mm. To me, that's a great picture of oneness. Not just individuals becoming one with a triune God who is one, but his love uniting us as one in him. Individuals, bearing one name, called as one people, to be one bride. Called to be loyal and faithful to one Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello. <laughs> I was uh, shaking before. Um, I don't know whether I was nervous or it was the anointing. But I prayed a lot. Oh, let's pray now. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I thank you for um, your intense interest in every one of us. And that, um, like, like it was already said, that, that no one is here by accident that you have something that you want to say, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd help me to relate what it is that you want to relate, that it would um, touch every heart here in Yeshua's name. Thank you, Lord. I think what I... I've been going on a journey over the last um, few weeks, um, and I had a prophetic word uh, which I shared uh, in in one of the prayer meetings, and it was where I saw Jesus, and um, he, he was standing before a door, and he was opening it, and he was saying to us that um, he's presenting to us an open door. Since then, I've heard um, four prophetic words from um, what I would acknowledge as uh, prophetic voices that have said the same thing. Um, that, and but part of the part of the message also was that the Lord wants to um, set us free from some things in our lives that maybe we've been struggling with for a long time. So I've been going on this journey of um, 
trying to understand that process. And I believe the Holy Spirit has shown me some stuff. And I want to share that with you. Okay? And it's the reason why um, Jesus um, died on the cross and he rose again to set us free. Yeah? So, so it began when I got uh, Omicron or what I call Omicrud. <laughs> and so for a few days I was, I was laid up and, um, and I'm really thinking, Lord, how do I overcome some of the areas in my life that I've been struggling with for such a long time? And um, I said, how did, how did Jesus do it? How did he overcome? Now remember that, that Jesus was a man. He was, he was God made flesh. He had to be that because if it was God that had overcome sin, then we got no chance. But because he was a man, then he gave us an example of how to overcome. So I'm thinking about him in, in the wilderness and being tempted. And um, it says after 40 days that he was hungry. And, and I thought, well, like if, if it was a devil then what do you do? You know, if someone's hungry, then you, what you, you tempt them by, say, some nice, you get a platter and some nice, fresh, crusty bread. Mm. You know, have you ever sort of sawn through a, a, a crusty loaf, you know, and you hear that crunching sound as it's going? Oh, okay. I, I have, and I love the sound, you know. Uh, and maybe some butter, you know. No margarine mentioned in the Bible, only butter. Sorry, folks. <laughs> And then I was going to say, and some pea and ham soup, but then we have vegetarians here, so lentil soup. <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe a carafe of, of wine and some fresh milk and some, some honey on the comb. That's beautiful, you know. But yeah. <laughs> if I close my eyes and people have left, it's because I know where you're gone. You've gone to the bakery. But anyway, he didn't do that. He used scripture. So I'm lying there and I think, yes, okay. And, and God responded, Jesus responded with scripture. Yeah? So Holy Spirit saying, so that's how we respond to sin. So I'm lying there and I'm, I'm thinking about areas of my life where I've struggled. And it was like, um, it seemed like there was a barrier there, like a barrier I seemed to couldn't get through. So anyway, the next day, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this little clip, and there's two young boys. One's, say, five, and the other one's seven. I don't know. And um, now I've got to emphasize, because I was talking with somebody about this last night, and I need to emphasize this. These boys were obedient. They respected their parents, um, and they, they loved them, okay? Right? So just put that in your mind. So anyway, Dad comes, and he puts two lots of... Um, delicious chocolates in front of them on the table and then he says now I'm going to go out for half an hour <laughs> and when I come back you're not to touch them so I'm watching this clip and you can see the five-year-old look up at his brother and you could see the I say sin come into his life and the agreement that they were going to go and grab those chocolates <laughs> so of course when dad came back I know another story about two young boys and chocolates, but I won't go into that. But, <laughs> but uh, okay, so, so there they were, and they were looking at this temptation, 
and really the, the, the sense of immediate um, gratification overcame every other thing, yeah? So we'll come back to the boys in a minute. So anyway, Jesus is out in the wilderness and he's responded with um, the scripture to the scripture that the devil had said. But I think I was asking the Holy Spirit, what was it that actually made Jesus resist? What was it? And um, then we'll go back to this side again, and I'm listening to um, Jordan Peterson. Now, Jordan Peterson is, oh, let's say he's, he doesn't know the Lord, he may do, but he's a very well-known clinical psychologist. He's got, I think, two and a half million um, followers on YouTube. It's incredible. And he, he's, got a, he's got a lovely heart. You know, he's talking about wanting to help people, and he's crying because of his desire to, to help people to come out of addictions and, and issues, what we would call sins, things that are, the enemy has grabbed hold of them with. But he would say it's addictions, okay? So he says this to this, he says, well, this is what I do. Someone's struggling, and he asks them a question. He says, where will you be in three years if you don't do this anymore? That was the question. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm back and lying in bed, and, and I'm meditating on that, and the boys, and Jesus. And then suddenly I realized what it was. The reason that Jesus was able to resist was because of promise. Jesus, Jesus had a promise, and the promise was greater than the temptation. So going back to the boys, there's the two boys. <laughs> there's the chocolates. Dad says, boys, I'm going to go out for half an hour. Now remember, they love, they're obedient, they love, they love their parents. Boys, I'm going to go out for half an hour. If the chocolates are still here when I come back, then I'm going to buy you those two bikes that I promised you. So suddenly... <laughs> <laughs> suddenly the focus isn't on the chocolates it's on the promise yeah so I, I just made that little bit up that last bit but, but you know that's what I was thinking so so in my own life there's an area that I've been struggling with that I'm no longer struggling with because um, every time there's a temptation, you could say whatever it is, it's gossip, it's slander, it's lying, it's stealing, it's lust of the flesh, whatever, that, that every time that temptation has come to me since that, which is a few weeks now, then immediately I think of what God's promised me. So I believe that what the Lord's saying, because there's been prophetic words about how he wants to clean up his body, how he wants to set us free, yeah? Um, and if he's, gonna, if he's promised that, which he has, then he also gives the, the, the wherewithal to do it. He gives us the, the way to do it. So now I believe that, that what the Lord has shown me, he's shown me the how. The how is we respond with scripture 
and the knowledge of Scripture. And then the why is because of the promise. And, and when I was praying about this, that I saw over us, Hope Centre, I could see all these promises. They were falling down on us, yeah. I had some other things that the Lord showed me, but I just want to just want to say this. So this is a time of Easter, and we know, um, we understand that Jesus died on the cross, and, and but we also understand the promise. Here's the promise. This is my words. To overthrow um, darkness uh, and sin, and to redeem mankind. We're mankind. Jesus came to redeem us. He came to redeem me. And I remember the day when I was saved. And God saved. And you remember the day when you were saved. When you decided that you needed to, to leave the old life. And you didn't really know what you were walking into. But the reason that you could was because of what he did on the cross. But then he rose again. So that, and it says that we will, the reason that he redeemed mankind is so that we can become friends of God. And that's scripture, you know. There's lots of other scriptures that I had here, but I, for time's sake and for Ian to come up, I'll finish with that. Yeah. Actually, can I just pray? Holy Spirit, I thank you for a revelation. I thank you for a relationship. I thank you for um, the things that you have done for us. And I pray that, that you'd help us to overcome, Lord, to respond to uh, the things of life, the, the temptations, the disappointments, the hurts, the, the challenges. Uh, help us to respond in the way that you want us to respond. Teach us to be um, uh, receptive to, to your voice and to your ways and to be your disciples, to be your friend. I, I pray that for everyone here in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and was it perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the joy set before him. And what a name, the name of Jesus. No other name, I'm going to read it, it's in the book of Acts, in verse um, chapter 4 verse 12 there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven that is given among men by which we must be saved save the name of Jesus what a wonderful name what a beautiful name the name of Jesus my Lord my Saviour, my Redeemer, <laughs> my soon and coming King, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter 
of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. The name of Jesus. Hmm. I like to read in Hebrews. Talking about faith, isn't it? In verse, chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. And it was he who it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. He considered that God was able to raise men even from the dead, from which he also received him back in type. So here we have Abraham, the father of faith, isn't it? And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Abraham was given the promise, wasn't he? Promise of a son, miraculously receiving promise. And we read the story in um, Genesis 22. God actually speaks to him, and Abraham said, Here I am. Isn't that a good statement when God speaks to you? <laughs> Here I am, Lord. What would you like me to do? And that's how personal and intimate he wants to be. A friend, as, as Jane was saying, a friend. And as Mark was saying, how precious you are to him. Absolutely precious that he'll call you by name. I call you no longer slaves, but I call you friends. And friend Abraham, <laughs> here I am. He said, now take your son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah or Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, interesting, <laughs> and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, was split wood in a burnt offering and rose, and they went to a place where God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. It's quite fascinating. Someone also came on a donkey, didn't they? Someone also was going to become the burnt offering, and someone after three days was going to have something. And we have a father providing a sacrifice. God so loved the world, he sent his, his only begotten son to be saviour, redeemer, the Lamb of God sacrificed from the foundation of the earth. Here the father of faith has been called to take his son, which he's received by promise, and by faith he's received him. What does God now tell him to do? Kill it. <laughs> How would you like to receive a promise, a fulfillment of promises that God's given to you, and God just says, now kill it? At least the promise and the fulfillment of the promise becomes an idol to you, and you're so busy with your heart so much and your child that you actually can't see the person who gave you the child. Who has your heart? 
The Lord thy God is one. We shall love the Lord with he who loves mother and father, brother and sister more than me is not worthy to be called my disciple. Who has your heart? They came to a place in verse 9, and Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on top. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took a knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against this lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. How many sons has God got? Many now, but he had one, isn't it? But unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear any fruit. So the first Adam, and now he becomes the second Adam. And without him dying, there is actually no redemption for any of us to be called sons and daughters of God. Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham took the ram, offered him up as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah, Jireh. Do you know that God can provide for you when you sacrifice? This is going to cost you something. But God will provide. But he wants to look at your... And guess who got pierced through the heart by a spear at the cross? Fascinating that this place is where the temple is built. This is where Solomon's temple was built, exactly in this spot. What happened to it? It was torn down, wasn't it? Then it was rebuilt and torn down. And Jesus prophesied it. He said, within three days, this temple will be torn down. What was he talking about? Which temple? His own body. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Jewish people are now looking for the rebuilding of the third temple. Well, guess what? He's already come. <laughs> and did God withhold the, the, the knife of the sacrifice before his son? And he said, no. Jesus is going, why have you forsaken me? But not my will, but yours be done. Not your will, but God's will be done. And of course, we get the incredible promises. The angel speaks to him a second time from heaven. He said, because you've done this and not withheld your son, indeed, I will greatly bless you. I'll greatly multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. Did anyone try to count the sand on the seashore? Come over the mountain, you can try. <laughs> your seed will possess the gate of your enemies. How would you like to possess the gate of your enemies? Have any of you got any, any enemies? Of course you haven't. You're wonderful Christians. No one hates you. They all love you. <laughs> and your seed, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be? All the 
nations. Can, can, <laughs> all the nations. This is an incredible fulfillment of Christ coming. I tell you what, it's unbelievable. <laughs> because you have obeyed my. What's the key? Obey whose voice? God's voice. Jehovah Jireh, he will provide. Unless the seed falls to the ground, it will not bear many more seeds, will it? But if it dies, it will germinate and produce a harvest. The harvest comes when you forget, forget about your money. We're talking 100%. Forget your 10% of your money. That, oh, I'm sick to death of hearing boys preach about your flipping seed as just being your money. It's you. That's 100%, isn't it? That's all your might, all your strength, all your giftings, everything. You have got to die to yourself and go to the cross. Take up, people say, no, 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 Jesus did that. What did he say? Take up your, deny yourself and follow me. And then you will have seed and fruit. And you'll be a blessing to the nations, won't you? Three of you went, yes, others are going, I don't know what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> Exodus. Chapter 22, uh, where are we? Exodus 12. 23, and the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house and smite you. If you observe this event in ordinance for you and your children forever. It's called the destroyer of the angel of death. What was the key? Sacrifice of a lamb and put over the... It's interesting. How would you like to... There's doors, aren't there? How many know there are doors? <laughs> over the doorpost. What's got to be over the doorpost of our lives? The blood of Jesus. This is the key to any door, isn't it? How many know it says, knock and the door shall be opened? That's us knocking, isn't it? And then it says, he stands at the door and... That's him knocking on your door. So it's two way, isn't it? It's not just one way. He, if you don't get it, he will stand at your door and knock. But if the blood of Jesus is over that doorpost, nothing's happening here. Without the blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's life in the blood. How much life do you think was in Jesus? <laughs> How much life was in his blood? Fair amount of life, wouldn't it? Good. Well, we'll get on to that. We're just getting the Passover, aren't we? The unleavened bread. They're preparing communion, aren't they? And what did Jesus talk about? The Passover lamb, the Passover feast must take place it's awesome some of this stuff 
Why did Jesus come? God so loved the world. There you go. That's the key. God so loved the world, he sent his son to save it. If you don't have the love of the Father for the world and for people, you're not going to see many people saved. Just a thought. <laughs> love covers a multitude of sin. God so loved, he went to save the world, not to destroy it. He's come to save it. A lot of, cre- lot of preachers, a lot of Christians are so angry at sinners. Jesus actually went to the sinners, didn't he? And they loved him. Why? Because when they saw him, they wept at his feet. They covered his feet with tears. They literally said, how come you're coming into our house? And, and they repented and said, I'll give all four times that I've ripped off back. I'll, I'll, I'll sort it all out. Salvation's coming to your house. Tax collectors, saved, hated. Prostitutes, saved. Where are your accusers? He who was without sin cast the first stone. Religious people hated him because the Bible says they put him up to death because they are envious, jealous of him. Don't you dare be envious of someone else. Don't you dare compete with them and don't you dare be, 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 be nasty to them. If someone else is flying, thank God. <laughs> How high can they fly? Try and catch up. We're running a race where all of us can win. We're not competing. Line upon line, not deviating from your path, walk in the path God's called you to. Don't compete, don't be jealous, don't be envious of anyone else. Just say, God, here I am. Your servant's listening. What would you like me to do? That'd be really good. Okay, none of this is in my notes, but we're getting there. Palm Sunday. Wasn't it last Sunday, Palm Sunday? So let's go into that. It's in um, Matthew 21.5, but it's, in, it's actually Zach, Zechariah 9.9. Uh, 9. So let's just go to the Old Testament prophecy that was spoken out. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with what? Salvation. Oh my gosh. Humble and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. Wow. So here it is, prophesying. prophesying. Hosanna, Hosanna. Here he comes, Palm Sunday. Palms are put out, cloaks are put down. He's coming humbly on a donkey. And what is it? To bring salvation. And it says here in verse 10, he will speak peace to the nations and dominion from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. How powerful is that? There is a blood covenant that's going to come from this person who's Messiah, who's going to literally set people free from the waterless pit. What are they talking about? Hades, 
Well, the place, actually, no, it's not. It's actually talking about the place of the righteous that were held by faith and Abraham judged under the law. Isn't that where Jesus went? He who ascended, descended. Some of you are not sure on that. You're looking at me theologically whacked out. Who knows? Thank God. We'll get on there anyhow. Let's move. So behold, your, ki your king is coming. What is he called? King. And they began to call him King of Israel, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Do we call him King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Three of you are. Are you we're alive? Gentle, mounted upon a donkey, setting people free. Psalm 24. What an incredible psalm, isn't it? This is extraordinary. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Is that right? How would you like to ascend the hill of the Lord? The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Verse 3, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. How many know that's written all of us off? Right there, not one of us are going to be sending anywhere, mate. We'll be <laughs> at that point, we're all descending. How many have got a clean hands and a pure heart? Jesus said, all have sinned, all have failed, all fall short of the glory of God. So guess who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Himself. <laughs> You'll receive a blessing from who? The Lord. From generations to generations of those who seek him who seek my face. Jesus said, when you've seen my face, I'm the exact representation of the invisible God. The glory of God is revealed in the face of Christ. Face to face. Moses said, let me see you face to face. He said, you can't. But my glory and form you may. But thank God in the new covenant, the veil has been torn. And we now have free access to look face to face and be transformed from the glory of his face on the inner man from glory to glory. Lift up you heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? Strong and mighty, strong and mighty in battle. Lift up you heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So that gate that was opened was actually called the Eastern Gate. They looked out towards the Mount of Olives. It's the beautiful gate. It's the one that was critically important that he would come through, Messiah would come through. As you know, it's, that Eastern Gate, is, it's a double gate. Double blessing has been actually bricked up by the Muslims. They've literally put guards up there and defiled the entire ground with, with dead, their dead, so that no rabbi, no holy man could possibly come in because it would make him unclean. But he's already come. Next time he comes back, he'll split the Mount of Olives, won't he? How <laughs> many know that's going to be quite an. He'll split the Mount of Olives. The Jewish people are trying to build the third temple and try to bring the red heifer and the, the whole deal and reinstitute re the sacrifice on the Mount Moriah, on the Temple Mount. So the King of glory will and is coming in. He's already come. Ezekiel prophesied it. And um, in Ezekiel 47, he said, that eastern gate, the, the glory's come in. 
and then the glory flows out. So when the Lord comes into you, you're the vessel, you're a temple, what's supposed to happen? The glory and the river is supposed to flow out. Don't watch out making your own cisterns. Make sure you don't go building your own little vessels. You better make sure that the vessel you've got is not a crack pot or has impurity in it because when the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost will baptise in the Holy Spirit and fire, the impurities inside that vessel, inside that temple will explode. And you'll end up back in the potter's field. But thank God, God goes to the potter's field and picks up all the broken, smashed vessels and has a go again. If you repent, you can, you, even if you blow it, he can fix you up. <laughs> even though you completely mess up, the, the potter, the master potter will go back in there and pick up the broken, smashed vessel. And if you try and hew vessels for yourself and try and carry, Moab wouldn't actually allow anything to be poured out. So God tipped his vessels over. So you've got to make sure the vessel you've got actually is overflowing, not stagnant, not just selfishly, it's all for me, all about me and my family. You need to realise the anointing of God's blessing is for nations. How big do you want your vessel to be? How much capacity do you want? How big is God? How little do you make God inside you? Extend the tent, get it bigger. How much love can you contain? How much fire, how much zeal, how much of God's consuming passion for the world can you contain? How much have you limited them? Where's your ceiling? Lift up your eyes. Open your heart. Let them expand the capacity. Stretch forth the tent pegs. None of this is in my notes, but it's good. It's usually better than my notes. Anyhow, so Ezekiel, here we go. The glory's come in. The river's flowing. What's exciting about it, wherever the river, we heard this last Sunday from Kristen, wherever the river went, it brought life. Who has the life? Christ in us, the hope of glory. In him is life. Without him, we have no life. He has eternal life, resurrection life. He has life. What's coming out of you? Life or death? The life flowed. As the river went, it says here on the side of the river um, in verse 10, fishermen. Gosh, I love reading all the fishermen stuff. <laughs> they stood beside the river. Isn't that exciting? So they stood beside the river, they spread out their nets, and their fish were according, they caught from all different kinds, and there were very many. What does Jesus call us to be? Fishermen of men. What does Jesus chose a lot of his disciples from? Fishermen. Didn't he? Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. There are nets spread as the, as the glory flows out of the temple, as the river flows out of the temple, as life's flowing out, there is what? Life. There's fish to be caught. 
And, by, and it says, even the swamps and the marks, marshes became fresh, even the stagnant ponds, even the... So wherever you go, you could actually be an overflowing river of living water. And on the river on either banks, on either side will grow kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because the water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. What an extraordinary prophetic picture is Ezekiel 47. Out of Revelation 22, there will come a river, crystal clear from the throne of God. And what? The fruit will be there. Fruit of life. And the healings for the nations. You still with me? I'm on page one. <laughs> and they crucified him where? The king of glory comes in. He does the Passover. He goes up. You know, Peter tries to chop one of the boy's ears off and Jesus heals that. And they're in Gethsemane praying. They all fall asleep. <laughs> and here we go. He goes up to the place of Golgotha. Matthew 27 verse 33. He is crucified in the place of the skull. It's interesting, he's crucified up on Mount Moriah where the, Abraham had his son, now God has his son and the, and the knife, the death is, no, my son will die. I've been to that place, it's now the municipal park for the, um, for the bus station in Jerusalem. You can see the skull, it's quite fascinating. Isaiah 53, one of the most powerful prophetic Old Testament uh, pictures of Jesus. And it says, um, for he grew up before him and tend to shoot. It was like a root coming out of a parched ground. There was no stately form of majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Thank God, vanity, vanity, vanities. You know what I mean? Our outward image does not necessarily reflect the true person. The true person has the, has the heart and the, the beauty of that heart. So nothing that would have brought attention to Jesus. Does that make sense? Saul had that. David didn't. Jesus, the son of David, has literally no obvious attraction or handsome nut. He was, he was not something that stood out. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of, of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Like one whom men hid their face, he was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely our grief, in other words, it's called sickness. Some, some translations call sickness. He himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves seemed, esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, chastened for our well-being, fell upon him, and by his scourgings we are healed. Other translations, by his stripes we are healed. How many stripes did he take? 39, 49, we've got an impress on that. 39. How many known major sicknesses? Potentially. Who knows? God knows. And the wind of the Holy Spirit came. 
So by His stripes we are healed. He came for our grief. He came for our sin. There was no deceit in His mouth. In verse 9, verse 10, He'd render Himself a guilt offering. In verse 11, He will bear our iniquities and sins. He was numbered with the transgressions because he poured himself out to death. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors. So here we have the most powerful picture. By his blood we are cleansed from sin. By his stripes we are healed. And he became a curse. Isn't that right? I love this one. Galatians 3.13, he became a curse to redeem us from the curse. So it wasn't just the sins being removed, it was to heal us and to break every curse. He was anointed for death, wasn't he? I've actually brought with me, because I feel to pray for people who are sick, uh, called Abba anointing oil from Jerusalem that I, I picked up when I was there. It's actually made up of myrrh and frankincense. So the anointing oil was myrrh and frankincense for what? Burial. How could an oil that's anointed for burial bring life? Because the person that was anointed for it came back to life. And on the cross, what's he doing as he's dying? He said, Father, forgive them. Luke 23, 34. Not my will, but yours be done. And then when he died, Hebrews 9. I'm sorry, I've got so many scriptures, but I love scriptures are much better than me preaching. So Hebrews 9. The blood is incredibly important, isn't it? Okay. That's verse 22. And according to the law, one, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Remember in the Garden of Eden, and we talk about some, some two boys, what are they? Cain and Abel. Two offerings, two sons. One accepted, the other not. And the one that wasn't who killed the one who was the, the, the alpha male killing the sheep and goats. Who's got a problem with anger? Just a thought. If you can get rid of sacrifice and blood, I tell you what, you can really get rid of the whole thing of Christ. But it's fascinating that the enemy is trying to destroy anyone who eats meat and sacrifices blood. Because if you can destroy the fabric of that, you'll destroy the fabric of without blood and there's no redemption, no forgiveness of sins. I just thought I'd get that off my chest because I felt like doing that. Some of you didn't like it, that's fine. I don't have to be liked. Therefore it is necessary for the copies of things in heaven to be cleansed. What with? Blood. The heavenly things themselves 
totally cleansed. So the blood of Jesus went into the heavenly realm. And where is in there? The Holy of Holies. He cleanses it. Mercy seat. And so he's here. And Christ did not enter the holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. Can you imagine that Jesus coming in with his own blood before the Father and actually cleansing and making it holy because there had to be sacrifice. There had to be without blood. There was no cleansing. He cleanses the heavenly, heavenly holy of holies. And it had to be him as the high priest. Because if, if it wasn't, we'd have to do it every, every year. And it's appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. That Christ has appeared, having offered for us to bear the sins of many, he shall appear a second time. Thank God for that. Not to bear sin, but to those who eagerly await him for salvation. What's quite extraordinary is that Jesus himself says, it's appointed for man to die and then comes judgment. But Jesus said, those who receive him, the judgment... The destroyer, the angel of death, has no power over you. Let's keep reading. Matthew 27, verse 52 and 53. As the veil is torn, the tombs in Jerusalem break open, and the saints of old are seen walking around. People say, oh, they're all in soul sleep. Well, what happened to those boys? They came alive. And he led captivity host. He took them to heaven. How many know they're up there already? Two of you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is Jesus in the soul sleepers are he alive? The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead shall dwell in you, same resurrection power, absent from the body, present with the Lord. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Tombs broke open. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet they shall live. He spoke that just when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Death, where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thank be to God who gives us victory over sin and death. Because he has risen. How many have still got sin in their life? Just me. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I should have the whole hands, feet, the whole lot. How many still sin? Only half of you. God, it's amazing. How many sinners have we got in the meeting? None, because you've been made righteous and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I love it. See, it's a trick question. <laughs> Hebrews 2, verse, Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. I'm nearly finished. Hebrews 2. 
verse 14, since then the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, isn't it? He himself also partook in the same, that means Jesus partook flesh and blood, took it on, through death that he might render him powerless who had power over death, that is the devil. Who had power over death? The devil. Who was going to render him powerless? Jesus. But what's fascinating, it says that there are a lot of people held um, captive in verse 15 and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. So what does Jesus do? He heals, he heals the sick by our stripes. He breaks the curse. He cleanses us from all sin. And he delivers us from the fear of death. How many know we all, some of us need deliverance? There's only two sinners in the room and <laughs> no one needs deliverance, of course, because you're all Christians. Anyhow, we'll move on from that one. Fear of death. I've found that is the most powerful thing the enemy holds people captive to. Christians alike, the fear of death. What fear have you got to die? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. The only thing you've got to fear for is sin. But what, what can wash away my sin? Here we go again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How much sin can he wash away? All. <laughs> and make me as white as snow. This is the power of the resurrection. Come on. This is supernatural stuff. Breaking the power of the fear of death. Resurrection life inside us. By his stripes I'm healed. All the curses are gone. Why? Because he became a curse. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is he within me than he's within the world. Nothing can separate me from God's love. The same life that's in his blood flows through mine. Cleansing, purifying, resurrection, eternal, everlasting God. Yeshua HaMashiach, Messiah, El Shaddai, Elohim, the King of glory, Prince of Peace. And then you read Matthew 28, the great earthquake came, bam, angel came down, bam, stones rolled away. Three, woman. Some of them say there was only one angel. Others, others of the disciples said there's two, one at the head and one at the feet where the body had been laid. And it says, you're seeking him who was dead, but he is no longer here. He's alive. Having been in that tomb, having looked around thinking I'm going to see a body and then turning around to see the scripture, he's no longer here, he's risen. You just feel like every other dumb Christian. What did I come into the tomb to look for? He has risen. The stone has been rolled away. Has the stone been rolled away inside of your prison? Have you come out of death into life? Have you come out of darkness into the light? Have the grave clothes been taken off and are you a new creature in Christ? Good questions. Only you can answer that. Because for me, I'm saved. You go, how do you know that? I have assurance. <laughs> it's an anchor for my soul. 
It's more blessed to have believed and not seen. I've had the privilege of seeing him. He's alive. He's risen. He's glorified. I can't wait to get back. And looking at some of you, I'd love it to be sooner than later. (laughs) My God, if I looked at Christians, mate, I would never follow him. If I listened to what Christians said about me, I'd definitely not follow him. Thank God I don't listen to what Christians say about me, or the world, or you. I listen to what God has to say about me. He was rejected and despised of men. You start following him, guess what might happen? You have an issue with wanting to be loved and everyone loving you. You might as well kiss this thing goodbye straight away. If you want to be liked, stop it right now. No one looks for pain. No one looks for rejection. No one looks for abuse. But guess what? Jesus said, you'll have it. (laughs) The disciples rejoiced in it, actually. They even be persecuted and attacked and mouthed about. They rejoiced in it. I'm finishing with this. You go, thank God he's finishing. Where is it? Luke 24. And I could preach all day. I haven't preached for months, a year, two years almost. Matthew, uh, Luke 24, verse 46. Wouldn't it be really good to have some of the Jesus' last words? You know what I mean? Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you shall stay and wait until you are clothed with power from on high. And they led him out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. It came about while he was blessing them, he departed from them. And what does scripture say? He was carried up into heaven. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and continued in the temple praising God. And if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, you'll see, and into the book of Acts, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations and these signs shall follow those who they shall cast out demons set people free they shall heal the sick they shall drink any deadly poison shall not harm them lay hands on the sick and they shall it's in there isn't it who's that commissioning to love it all of us (laughs) male and female doesn't matter what you are if you're saved son and daughter of the most high God you have a commissioning Jesus came to save the world the fields are white for harvest therefore say Lord here I am my brother my sister but not me please (laughs) anyone else but me I'm really not sure about me anyone else looks quite good in the church just don't send me Who would like to see the holiness of God? Who would like to see the glory of God? 
Who would like to have the fire of God's coals upon your lips? How would you like to have all your sins removed and be, here I am, Lord, send me. This is Resurrection Sunday, mate. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lion and the Lamb. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth. He is no longer dead. He is alive. So, Lord, we pray for life. We pray for resurrection power. We pray, Lord, search my heart. <sighs> Apply your precious blood. Lord, show us things that have been holding us back. Send your refining fire. Help us not to take the chocolate. Help us to go for the bikes. Let us ride with you, white horses. <laughs> My beloved is mine and I am his. Lord, help us to, to ride with you. Help us to ride in the heavens. You're coming on a white horse. Let us be riding with you. Help us to flee the temptation and the sin that easily entangles us. Help us fix upon the joy like you have set before you. The heavenly Jerusalem, the, this, the, the church of the firstborn, enrolled in heaven, paid for by the blood of the Lamb. Help us to grab hold of eternity. Help us to grab hold of what it is to be free. Deliver us from all fears. Deliver us, Lord, from every curse. Help us to rise with you, with healing in our wings. Help us to rise with faith. Help us to not just look at the, what you can bless us with. Help us to look past that to see how the seed could bless nations. Help us to go past our own minute understanding of how much you want to love us and move through us. And enlarge our vision, enlarge our call, enlarge, Lord, everything inside us that we could hold the fullness of the King of glory. Help us not in any way put a ceiling or restrict what you can do in and through us. Fill this temple, cleanse this temple, purify this temple, and may our heart be one of mercy and grace. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.